Welcome to Payne on Politics, a podcast where host Dr. Gregory Payne of Emerson College sits down with fellow experts to discuss the current state of politics, public opinion, and global affairs. In a world growing increasingly complex, communication and critical thinking is key. This only makes the Emerson motto, expression necessary to evolution, more true. Hello, this is Gregory Payne, the Chair of Communication Studies, the first communication department and college in the United States for Payne on Politics. Tonight we're in Wooster at Polar Park, and what an extravaganza this is in urban development. We call him our Director of Sports Communication, but I really think he is the consummate urban planner, Dr. Charles Steinberg. Dr. Charles, thank you for all of the generosity and incredible hospitality here at Polar Park. Well, thank you, but the generosity is yours. I don't think I'm an urban planner, but I think Larry Lucchino and John Marie Smith are. And uh, when they built Camden Yards, it changed Baltimore, changed Maryland. Um, when we built Petco Park in San Diego, it changed San Diego. Uh, when we uh, did 10 years of improvements to Fenway, it dramatically changed that part of Boston. And um, Larry and Janet Marie have also done independent projects. Uh, Janet Marie has just completed the renovation of Dodger Stadium. So here in Worcester, it's their latest work together, but it's also their first collaboration from scratch since Camden Yards, and yes, it has had an amazing effect on Worcester. What I have found, and I know the group from Emerson who came out tonight, found just incredible was, of course, you have what you would expect, these VIP suites, but it's been so accessible. You've brought in the taste of Wooster in terms of your outside area. And what I like is, as we were going, going around the park, you said, here is a very open area at most parks. And what did you do there to make it affordable as well as very, I would say, visible to people in the park? It's a basic tenet of all minor league baseball that you must provide affordable family entertainment. That's what minor league baseball is. And so we met with 21 different groups in fan plan meetings from October 16th of 2018 to March of 2020. We garnered 877 ideas. They are all codified in a blue notebook right here. And we talked about prices. And we talked to college students about prices. And we talked about to college students about what would help you come and what would hinder. And so $8 was the sweet spot for children, for students, for active members of the military, and for seniors. $9 for everybody else. Now look, if the demand is so great that you can take it to nine and 10, okay, that then you're telling us you can deal with that. But you must remain thoroughly accessible. You cannot shut people out of the national pastime, especially when Americana is what you are generating and promoting. When you think about Wooster, something you pointed out to me earlier was that Wooster has a very long history in baseball, even more storied than Boston. So could you talk a little bit about that? Well, just as the Boston Braves, before they were the Milwaukee Braves, before they're today's Atlanta Braves, were members of the National League, so too were the Worcester Worcesters. That's just what they were called. 
uh, Worcester. We saw that bobblehead out there. We did. Yes. We have a bobblehead of um, Mr. Worcester from the Worcester Worcesters, 1880, 1881, 1882. And the history of baseball has inscriptions that were written here in Worcester. For example, you have a student at Brown University. He's president of his class. It's four days before graduation. It's 1880. He gets on a train in Providence, and you could take the train to Worcester. He does. He pitches for the National League Worcester Worcesters, and it's baseball's first ever perfect game. There's a monument at what was Becker College that marks the site. He got back on the train, went back to Providence, graduated four days later, and Lee Richmond is in the Major League Baseball record books as having pitched the first ever perfect game. There was a man from East Brookfield was uh, near Worcester, East Brookfield, Massachusetts. And he went on to have one of the most influential, legendary careers in the history of the game. And if I tell you that his name was Cornelius McGillicuddy, you might laugh. If I tell you that he shortened it to Connie Mack and that he managed the Philadelphia A's for 50 years. And why did he never get fired? He owned the team. He was right from here. He grew up knowing how great baseball was here. In 1925, a young man begins his managing career. He manages the Worcester Panthers. They were an affiliate of the Boston Braves. No one knew that he was going to be Hall of Famer Casey Stengel. So a lot of uh, Worcester baseball history um, fills baseball lore. But Worcester hasn't had the outlet to tell its stories for decades. But when you do have a ballpark, a ballpark is a storytelling vehicle. When you televise games, that's a storytelling vehicle. When you broadcast them on radio, that's a storytelling vehicle. Baseball's a game of story, of storytelling, and Worcester's got a lot of stories to tell. Charles, one thing we are very pleased, and you've been a pioneer as the Director of Sports Communication at Emerson College. When you talk about storytelling, one of the stories that makes me feel good as a chair and uh, someone who worked with you to start the program with Spencer Kimball and Lee Stacy and others is that you have so many Emerson alums working here. And tonight also, I met a student who just graduated from University of Rhode Island who said she's going to be coming in the master's program. What do you find distinctive about the Emerson student that enables them to work and be successful in places like Polar Park? Three things to be cute. Writing, writing, and writing. That is the tree trunk. That is what's going to determine your upward mobility. That's what's going to determine whether you are going to be influential. Whether it was an intern in 1992 at the Orioles, 
named Theo Epstein, whether it is the Wusox executive vice president, Dan Ray, brilliant writer, uh, our executive vice president, general counsel, Kim Miner, and most of all, Larry Lucchino and his late mentor, Edward Bennett Williams, writing is the tree trunk. And I sometimes feel like in class, I'm almost a caricature of that English teacher, you know, smacking you with a ruler. I don't really smack you. But that's who makes it. That's who succeeds. And so when you're teaching a year ago and you have this grad student named Alexis Dill, and she turns in a paper and the writing is good. And you realize that she was editor of her high school paper. She was editor of her college paper at Oberlin. I can give her writing assignments that I was doing myself. When you have a student a number of years ago at Emerson who sat silently in the back of the room and then turned in an essay, it was not only that her writing was good, it was that her thoughts were good. And Sabria Chaudhry has risen up here. She just graduated, what, two years ago. Sabria is the one we turned to to head our Woosox Foundation and our human resources. She's getting her master's now. Uh, ben Weingarten was probably after John, after Larry Lucchino and Janet Marie Smith, perhaps the next most integral member of the design team. Ben Weingarten was a student at Emerson and he wrote brilliant essays telling me of all the ballparks he had been to, but he didn't just tell me that. He, he conveyed his insights and imaginatively in high school in Chicago, he had learned a software program called SketchIt and he changed the design process of Polar Park for Larry and Janet because they could see in beautiful color detail to scale, thanks to Ben, what their ideas looked like before getting an interpretation from blueprints. They could say to the architects, this is what we'd like. These are Emersonians who are doing tremendous jobs. Uh, Zach Rothfeld, wonderful young man, worked for us. All he did after leaving us was help with the Michael Jordan documentary. One of his protégés, Joe Jacobs, after working for us, he went to the Miami Heat. One of his protégés, Tim Quidadamo, oversees our Woosox Productions. Another wonderful student of mine, Dylan McCaffrey, oversees the uh, televising of our games. Nat Reed, a very talented photographer, was a grad student of mine. It goes on and on and on. And it goes back to Tucket days uh, with wonderful Paige Lopez. Uh, she was just terrific. And now she's in Barcelona. It's really gratifying to bring these students onto the windmill. They're coming in. You know you're going to launch them. And then you do. And you're very proud of them.
I think what's impressive uh, from my perspective of you is someone like Ben, uh, who came into my office, and Pete Hawley was with us tonight. Pete was the administrative assistant. And Ben would tell us that he visited every, his goal was to visit every ballpark in America. And he and his father and his mother, who unfortunately passed away, did that. And it was one of those where you kept thinking, where is this guy going to land? What I find most interesting about Emerson working with change agents like you is you can see that creativity and you've plugged him in as you did with Tim and others. Uh, Tim, as an example, came to my office and said, if I can have this as an exemption for the crisis class, I will have covered every major championship in sports my senior year. Emerson, I think, is a place where we like to do that. My what my closing point would be your one of your favorite courses is a course when I ask you to teach it, I don't think you quite understood what I was getting at, but now you're the champion. Sports is soft power. I had to look it up. Well, now you've looked it up and now written the book. Uh, that's your favorite. Why do you see and, and how important is sports as soft power in such a divisive time as today? Sports as soft power is crucial in my mind, not just because sports can change society, but because each student can change society. So one of the things I love in that class is to ask each student how many social media followers they have. It can range from 1,000, 5,000, one student, Jeremy Gurton, over 100,000. Now, you have a platform. You have just established it. Now, let's talk about how sports uses its assets to improve society. But concurrently, you think about what you would like to see change or enhanced or initiated. And by the end of the class, the end of the semester, you have taken action yourself that has proved that each person has the power to be influential. And I think not just teaching people to use their voice, but teaching people that they have a voice, a microphone, and an amplifier, that can be awfully exciting. And every student can choose whatever cause or issue they want. It's your life. But together, we can work on a baseball project. And individually, we can also look at how sports has changed society from Jackie Robinson to Roberto Clemente to a woman you haven't heard of yet. She'll be the first woman to play Major League Baseball. We don't know her name yet. Imagine if you knew in 1942 that five years from now, Jackie Robinson was going to break the color barrier and usher in the entire United States civil rights movement. Wouldn't it be fascinating to live in, to be cute, prehistoric times with a vision to say this is what's going to happen? That's exactly where we are. If you can understand how human nature goes, how the universe works, you can recognize 
that a girl has been born who's going to play Major League Baseball. And if you can have that vision, you're going to see a dramatic change because the next Jackie Robinson will be Jacqueline Robinson. There are so many stories. Tonight, we saw fans coming in wearing navy blue t-shirts with gold artwork. They were hand signals. Well, it was sign language. It was woo socks in sign language. We put that merchandise on sale on our deaf and hard of hearing night. Never expecting it was going to sell the way it sold. Never expecting it was going to raise the funds it raised. Our autism awareness, no, autism acceptance night, huge. Our ALS tribute recently, it felt like it drew people here who just felt compelled to be here. So you're raising awareness. Tonight, in the suite next door to us, was the widow of a police officer who was killed in the line of duty years ago, Ron Tarantino. And it shook Central Mass, it shook Boston. I remember writing the ceremony at Fenway Park for the moment of silence. Well, tonight here was his widow here because we paid tribute to their foundation because he was a police officer in Auburn and we were honoring Auburn, Massachusetts tonight. You're doing something meaningful. If you come here for the bats and the balls and the grass and the dirt and the sun and the sky, that's great. If you come here for the hot dog and the ice cream, that's great. But we're bringing people here to a community convocation to focus on issues with compassion and vision. And that's really great. That's what I'm seeing soft power has blossomed into. I think what you've just summed up is what really is the mission of Emerson College, bringing people together to communicate and better understand each other. I think the closing topic I'd like to just mention briefly is when I'm in your suite here, I see that you've been with George, uh, uh, the first George Bush. You've also been with President Obama. I see you with President Biden. And of course, all these tributes and all these people that you've been with. And then I go to the other wall and I see a lot of guitars. And my question to you as someone who loves the Beatles, I know you've just have seen several of them perform. What is it about music? And also, what's the latest on your opera that you're going to be doing on baseball? You know, well, thank you. There, whether it's baseball or music or the influencers that we get a chance through baseball to see, it's all powerful emotion. When you win the World Series and the White House calls and says, we want to honor your team, and you go through it with uh, President Bush 43, I didn't get to meet him but I'm somewhere in that picture. But now you go back because you win again and you say to yourself, what if I do get to meet the president, in this case, President Obama? What am I gonna say to him? If you say, hi, nice to meet you, that's a wasted moment. If you say, hi, congratulations on all you've achieved, 
that's a wasted moment. You've got one shot in the length of a handshake to make your words count. And you want to be prepared. And through a lot of students at Emerson, the Boston Red Sox have taken childhood cancer awareness to new levels. Paige Lopez was involved in it. Her sister, thank goodness, is healthy, but uh, had uh, gone through it. And her mother had said, we need to do more. I've known many others with cancer, childhood and otherwise. And I'm on the bus in Washington, D.C. If I get to shake the president's hand, what am I going to say? It may only be three words. Now, you can be loquacious, but you got to be ready to be succinct. And so I was ready for let's your answer. Those aren't wasted words. And in his speech, he talked about how active the Red Sox are with the Jimmy Fund, Dana Farber, and helping children with cancer. So he threw me off a little bit, but I did get that moment, and I did get that handshake, and I did get to emphasize that by saying, thank you for your words about childhood cancer. Let's cure cancer. And he looked me in the eye and said, we have to. We have to. It doesn't mean that NIH funding went back up from $29 billion to 40 But it means that in a direct human moment, someone who has the ability to be influential heard me. And a lot of times that's all we want is to be heard. With President Biden, the stories have been humorous and poignant. We've talked about baseball. We've known people in common. There was a man in San Diego, politically active, who helped us get Petco Park built. Played baseball into his 80s, hardball. And he had known Joe Biden for years. And when I saw President Biden, he was running for president. As I go to shake his hand, I said, I'm a friend of George Mitrovich. He goes, he thinks he can still play. And so you break the ice with the, pre with the man who will be president of the United States by talking baseball. How cool is that? Later, in another session with him, we talked about the power of nurses, their power to heal. He said, they are angels on earth. He may have said they're God's angels on earth. So we had another conversation about how do you manage chattiness that I have in a soundbite world. And that's part of the sports communication and political communication backdrop. So whether it's music, the Beatles, Paul McCartney, Ringo Starr, James Taylor, the emotion of music, the power of good politics comes right into sports. Sports has a neighbor on its left and a neighbor on its right. Your next door neighbor is politics. They're not the same, but they are your neighbor. You're not going to avoid it. You better get used to it and make the best of it. On the other side of your house, 
of sports is entertainment. Huge asset. How cool was it that we heard Ringo Starr say, did someone say Woo Socks? Did someone say Woo Socks? How cool is that? How cool was it that one of the members of his band wore a Woo Socks hat and then another member of his band wore a Woo Socks jersey? Well, it's the neighborly thing to do. So politics, sports, and entertainment are three houses on, on the same street. And when you enjoy the synergies that they bring you, you can really change society for the better. Dr. Charles, thank you for those comments. I would say as we leave Woosox Park and Polar Park tonight, the music outside sort of summarizes, I think, everybody that talks and knows you, and that is by Depeche Mode, we just can't get enough of Dr. Charles. So with that, look forward to seeing you back where you belong, and that is at Emerson College. Thank you for an incredible visit to this magnificent park. Well, thank you, and thanks to everyone at Emerson for educating and nurturing students who are soaring here at Polar Park and now all over. we could do a whole nother session on where some are, are headed. And that's a tribute to the professors, to the administration, to the admissions group, and to everyone who creates an environment that lets these students flourish. I think we're enhanced by the Steinberg booster rocket. Thanks again. <laughs> Thanks.